As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Muddy Knees Media. Pulis caps, Buxton holds no water for Brewers, Ollie Watkins at Grimsby and Jolly Wheels into Barrow. Yep, it's managerial mayhem. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Happy Betwixtmas to you, listener. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, back after our short sabbatical to talk all things EFL with my two punditry pals. Sam Parkin scored precisely 100 EFL goals. Hi, Sam. I reckon I got more than that. I added them up on Soccer Base last night, and Did that you? says your league tally was 100. Mm. Maybe, maybe. Of course, we uh, that's not adding in the ones you got for St Mirren and St Johnston too, which and, takes and you there was, to around the, 130. Oh, there we go. Sorry. And there was two that were technically own goals as well, but wheeled away. <laughs> um, Adrian Clark used to whip in dangerous balls. Now he... Oh, hang on. Manscaped aren't sponsoring us this week, so I'll, I'll park that analogy for now. Uh, how are you doing, Clarky? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, all good. Yeah, don't go there. <laughs> Busy boy today. I've been on the big show too. Um, we'll return to our regularly formatted podding momentarily. But first, in a tweak to an existing feature, it's time for Performance of the Betwixtmas. Our regular listeners will know we usually put forth a case for the best performance of the weekend past and ask you to vote for your fave on Twitter. Well, given there's been two rounds of games since last we met, we're looking for the team who's done the best over the pair of matches. 15 seconds each to make a case. Adrian, you've gone with the people's favourite, MK Dons. Your 15 seconds start now. Back-to-back wins against the Gas and the Robins have got the MK Dons players trusting Russell Martin's process again. This week, they mixed up their systems, adapted their style to each opponent and cruised to six points. Special mentions for Gladwin, Harvey and Jerome. Informed players. Nice, pretty good timing and a bit of tactical analysis in, in your 15 seconds. That's bang for your buck. Um, Sam, you've gone for Shrewsbury Town. Your 15 seconds start now. Well, Shrewsbury is the, the answer here. I'm beating in seven, four clean sheets and up to 16th in the table. Steve Cottrell, well played, that man. Four points over the last two. Norburn, the standout player in yesterday's 1-0 win over Blackpool. Lovely stuff in the first half. Second half defended magnificently. What a turnaround. Very good. Perfect timing. High standard this week. Uh, will it continue with me? Probably not. I've gone for Oxford United. My 15 seconds start now. 
Use Betcher and picking Carl Robinson's side back-to-back wins over Wimbledon and Plymouth to add to the victory against Northampton have propelled United to the dizzy heights of 15th. They're seven unbeaten in all comps and that playoff hangover is finally out of the system. Good timing, not a great deal of specific information there. Um, head to at the Totally Show on Twitter to vote for your favourite. Uh, Producer Abby points out we've all gone for a League One team, which is impressive as I think they were the only teams to actually play in League One <laughs> in this round. Uh, speaking of League One, let's Championship. Welcome back to the ground. Tickets, please. Thank you, madam. And let's see, sir. Oh, sorry. No, you're in tier three. No, I ain't. We're in tier two. We're allowed to be here. You can't take away my freedom. Tier three of the stadium over there. Donut. What? Uh, By the donut stand. Stadiums might not yet be full, but Paddy Power's offers are at full capacity. If one leg of your four plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines, big wins for Derby, Sheffield and Wickham at the bottom as QPR hold leaders Norwich. Pulis pushed out of Hillsborough, his old owls respond by scoring more than once in a league game for the first time since opening day. Rotherham couldn't name a full bench against Barnsley after a Covid outbreak. Paul Warren wanted the game called off, but said he feared retribution from the EFL had that happened. And we got the answer to the age-old question, can you see it on a misty Tuesday night at Stoke? Uh, No is the answer. Still, I'm told Forrest Drew, so hooray. Let's start with Sheffield Wednesday then. They're after a new manager. This after the Owls ditched Tony Pulis after just 10 games in charge. Joining us now, friend of the show and Sheffield Wednesday reporter for The Athletic, Nancy Frosting. Nancy, mentioned just one win in 10. That's not the only reason why he's been sacked, though, it seems. No, I think um, obviously the performances kind of speak for themselves and the results. Um, you know, they weren't playing well enough and they weren't picking up wins, which I think is maybe slightly surprising given what we know about kind of Tony Pulis's success when he's walked into clubs um, in similar positions before. But it does sound like there was a bit more kind of at play and I think it's no secret that Wednesday have got some off-field problems as well and there's been issues with um, unpaid wages in the last month or so. And so kind of from what I'd heard since he's he's been sacked is basically that maybe it just wasn't a good fit for either side, but it was a slightly bigger project maybe than he realised when when he took over from Gary Monk. I don't think maybe until you get in the building, um, perhaps he realised uh, the scale of it. And so on reflection, it, it might be for the best to kind of cut loose for both sides at this time. And, and have those wages for the players been paid yet? And was that an issue for Pulis too? I'm led to believe that the coaching staff were okay and they were paid in full. At the moment, I think that the players are due their December wages in the next few days. They still only have the partial payment for November. So they've had assurances that it should be coming any day now. I think it's largely you know, a problem that probably is affecting a lot of EFL clubs, but whether or not it's made it out into the media or not. But yeah, the, the players have been sort of assured that it'll be coming as soon as possible but I guess we'll see in the next couple of days when that December pay packet is due as well whether it's it's complete or um, you know obviously making up for November as well. 
So on the sacking, the, the chairman Daypon Chansiri said the performances and results have not been of the level expected. There are also other issues which have had a bearing on this decision. Do you think maybe the club and Pulis didn't do their due diligence on one another? I mean, it's definitely surprising, I guess, from the decision to hire him. You know, he's not some unknown <laughs> manager who's been in an obscure league, maybe that, that we've not seen before, you know. You want the, the the new manager bounce, I suppose, immediately when Wednesday are in the position they're in. But it, it was a tricky situation, and I suppose, yeah, at, at the time it didn't feel like a popular appointment, especially with the fans. But maybe a necessary one, and and as it's turned out, maybe it was neither. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a difficult difficult situation to maybe say whether both sides knew fully what they were getting into. So appropriately enough, we're speaking on a Wednesday. On Tuesday, Wednesday, only went and did a win against Borough. They scored two goals in the process, which must have made you pretty giddy, Nancy. Was that was that a, a response to, to Pulis leaving from the players? Maybe a sign that they weren't that happy with him? Or was it just they played well and won the game? They played, they played well. Yeah, they were um, a lot more attacking. I think they had three shots or three like clear shots on target in the first half and they scored two of them. So they definitely see, seemed um, a lot freer going forward. And it might just be the case that they f- sort of feel they need to rally round. And, you know, Neil Thompson's been there a long time. He's, he's interim manager for now. He, he'd been with the under-23s as well. And um, Liam Shaw, who'd come through the academy, got his first senior goal last night so it's almost like a weight's been lifted again not that there was anything wrong with with the way that that Tony was doing things but there maybe was the feeling that there needed to be some sort of change and um, yeah it was always nice just to immediately bounce back and see them playing with a bit of freedom and and getting those goals it was a bit of a surprise we didn't really know what to do because they've not scored two for a while so (laughs) um, yeah it's it's been a long time coming and I think if they can carry on with that that's been the big problem for them is scoring goals so that that could be crucial. So you mentioned Neil Thompson who who took the team against Middlesbrough Um, I'm guessing he he's not favourite to get the job if he's even putting himself forward for it Torsten Fink and uh, Gus Poyer seem to be the main names doing the rounds this morning. Yeah, I think we've seen before um, with Wednesday where um, Lee Bullen is also another one who's stepped in quite frequently when they've needed an interim manager, which has been, you know, on a few more occasions than I'm sure many fans would have liked in recent years. So I don't think there's necessarily any suggestion that he's in the running at this time. Um, Obviously, you never know if he suddenly, you know, puts together a run of five wins or something, then uh, that might happen. But from what I've heard, Fink is is, uh, interested and I don't believe that Gus Poyet is. So uh, I guess it's kind of still quite fluid at the moment. I think there's a shortlist being drawn up and being discussed by the chairman. But there's certainly a lot of different options out there between people that were linked just over a month ago and some slightly newer, more interesting names from you know ex-European clubs or further afield, um, which could be a slightly different road for Wednesday to go down because um, they've gone sort of for established championship managers for the last couple of uh, managers now so it would change things up again if they did decide to do that. Yeah well time will tell on that one it's certainly an interesting season for you to be um, for you <laughs> to be covering Wednesday. Um, Nancy thanks so much for joining us I'm sure we'll be speaking again before too long. No doubt. <laughs> Nancy Frostick, Sheffield Wednesday reporter for The Athletic there. Um, Clarky, I mentioned it to to Nancy that, that maybe both parties hadn't done their due 
due diligence on one another. You know what you're getting with Tony Pulis. The results weren't great, but it's not like you're going to bring him in to play Samba football. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that sentiment. It's almost as if Sheffield Wednesday's owner had heard had heard about the great Tony Pulis, the the man that had never been relegated, but knew nothing else. Um, because what the team needed, in my opinion, at Sheffield Wednesday, because they were so short on goals, you know, they had a, have had a real problem all season putting uh, the ball in the back of the net. They needed an attack-minded coach, not somebody that would that would play Pulis ball for for want of a better expression. So, so for me, somebody like Paul Cook would have been the ideal candidate stylistically and, and, and credibility wise. Uh, and they went for Pulis and, and, you know, surprise, surprise, 10 games in. They don't like the results or the football. I, personally, I think it's brutal because they, they, they'd won the game and then they'd, they'd picked up a creditable draw at Blackburn. It, it, it seemed odd timing to me, but, but yeah, it, it wasn't the right fit for the team, I guess. Sam, they've gone with uh, tried and trusted championship managers in, in Monk and Pulis. Do you think that maybe they'll go a different way now? And, and would that be wise, given the position they're in? Surely you need some knowledge of the division in, in the situation Wednesday. Aaron. And Matt, I haven't got a clue, to be honest. <laughs> and what's the point in us beating around the, the bush? Sheffield Wednesday, when we were all growing up, brilliant football club. What tradition, love watching them play against QPR. The place is a basket case, is it not? I mean, the fans must be just besides themselves with worry that they're going to end up in League One again. They were there, what, 15 years ago. Um, it's And those it's that dreadful. snapped up the 10-year season tickets will be buzzing about this. Yeah, they? and those baseball caps, they must have spent a fortune on making them, haven't been able to flog them. Um, I, I don't know. I really don't. I hope they don't go for someone obscure. Uh, again, I suppose... Yeah, Paul Cook, that, that clerk he just mentioned. I completely agree with his sentiment there. And I've been in that situation. Points deducted, start of the season. You've got to go and win football matches. So maybe they have not thought out that plan, Tony Pulis. But obviously the results have been terrible. I don't think the squad's good enough. Who knows where they go next, but they need to be more attacking. And I think they got that um, with the win last night. It was only a, a slight alteration from Neil Thompson, the, the the caretaker, if you like, put two up front, um, 5-4-1 to 5-3-2. And um, they won the game. So it's a glimmer. But um, where they go from here, who knows? Let's move on then. Um, next, we're heading to St Andrews. How about that Derby County? Huh? Filling me with a sense of loathing and revulsion, but filling the Birmingham City goal with footballs. A 4-0 win for Waz's Wonders. Um, Clark, he's got to get a job now, hasn't he? He can't do much more. Yeah, excellent phrase there, Wazza's Wonders. Yeah, <laughs> what good work. Um, <laughs> it always just makes me chuckle, Wazza. I mean, where, where's that come from? It doesn't sound... It sounds horrific, like, doesn't it? Doesn't it sounds sound like, like slang way. term for urinating. It, it's just, yeah, I don't get it. Because um, you can't get a Y on the end of his surname, can you? You've exactly. got to go Runeo. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work, does it? <laughs> um, yes, I think he should get the job. I mean, you just said... Does Sheffield Wednesday go for tried and trusted? Derby aren't, are they? Oh, okay, they haven't appointed him on a permanent basis. But Rooney's never been a gaffer, and and they're not conceding goals. He's he's made an instant impact. You have to say three goals conceded since he took sole sort of ownership of team selection, and that's one every four hours. One goal against every four hours is unbelievable. It's tremendous. So so yeah, I think. I think he's doing all that he can. This was obviously a watershed moment because the other side of the game came together um, with the goals. 
But yeah, in general, I think that the players are playing with more energy, definitely more dynamism, and and, and less safety first. I mean, you see, you see it with with Arsenal when they beat Chelsea the other day. They had their worst pass accuracy of the entire season. Okay, but they found the most penetration because they were taking risks. They were playing forward passes that didn't all come off. And that's the thing I get with Derby now. They're willing to take more chances and play the forward passes rather than going sideways in the square and backwards like we saw under Koku. I think that's the big difference for me. Sam, do you think that he's maybe been underestimated a little bit as a coach, Rooney? We saw it as a, as a name as much as anything else, but he's, he's shown his chops, hasn't he, last few weeks? I suppose unless you know him personally, you don't fully know his ideas on the game, how... Um, we know he's been dedicated um, throughout his career, but I suppose what a, a football nut he is, um, I suppose, and how much he wanted this. But he's really impressed me. I think he's been fortunate in the return in Bielik, who I think is enormous for them. And I read some stuff from some Derby County supporters saying that actually Rooney coming out of the team in Bielik, except, uh, essentially stepping into his shoes, has been a big part of this. So... I think we have to factor in that. And the other thing I wanted to mention was the, the Steve McLaren factor because I don't know I got, if I had a chance to say it a few weeks ago, but I thought to bring an experienced guy in that knows Wayne would be a masterstroke. And I don't know, you know, again, I'm speculating a little bit, but I presume he's having a bit of input on tactics and, and what way Wayne should go. And seems really sensible to me that, especially given that they, they would have worked together at England. So no, I've been really impressed with what they've done and, Agree with Clarky. More energy, young players in their night, and and Sibley impressing once more, and Blue Birmingham away yesterday. Um, Cassim Richards as well, who I think we mocked a little bit when that signing came out of left field. Um, done brilliantly in giving them a focal point in a side that doesn't score many goals. Birmingham though, Clarky not looking good. No wins in five. None at home since October. More etheridge issues. He, he blamed the the first goal on the floodlights, and then some pretty horrible defending for for the other goals too. Mm. And 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 that's the aspect of the game actually that you think Itor Karanka always gets right. So that is a worry. Yeah, it is. Con- it is a concern. They're a strange team, Birmingham, because on the road they're very resilient. They don't get beaten very often. They've had some fantastic gritty victories or draws on their travels, yet at St Andrews, where maybe there's an expectation to, to go and score more goals, they, they keep leaving the door open. Neil Etheridge is, is going through a bad patch. That happens, doesn't it, to all players, even goalkeepers, and, and, and that, that's not helping. But eight points from 11 home games is becoming a phobia, I think, for players. And, yeah, I've been in teams where, where you've been rotten on home turf for, for a period and, and you start to dread it. Even, and that, that's when crowds are in the stadiums. This is in front of an empty crowd, so they are not even got the fans on their back, yet maybe the players are starting to, to feel slightly defeatist ahead of home games because the record is, is so poor. Uh, let's move on to Wickham, still bottom of the championship, but within touching distance of safety after they beat Cardiff 2-1 at Adams Park to earn a first win in 12 attempts. We'll get to that imminently, but it would be a dereliction of duty were we not to play a bit of Gareth Ainsworth and Petr Cech's charity Christmas single. Uh, 
Uh, it's called Drawing Straws. The band are called Wills and the Willing. I'd have gone with Chexworth. Um, all the money raised goes to support Dementia Charity, so get downloading that wherever you get your tunes. Uh, to the match then. Once again, Sam, for the first goal, we see how important those Joe Jacobson set pieces is. Set pieces is? Once again, Sam, for the first goal, we see how important those Joe Jacobson set pieces are to Wickham. Yeah, and and Tafazoli, I think that was his first start since the third game of the season and vital in defence last night and obviously vital in attack as well. So I think there's a number of individuals, especially last night, but in the last week that are really coming to the fore for Wickham and improving them and giving them a much better chance of staying in the division. McCleary, I think it's been a revelation, uh, who you'll know, Matt uh, Mametti who's come from nowhere. That was his best performance. One of his rare start for him last night, but excellent again in a slightly different system. And and the biggest thing is they've now got a proper centre forward, Ik Piatu. His first start, I think, we know Akinfem has been brilliant, really, taking people by surprise in the championship, but he, he can't play all the minutes. He can't start many matches. So now they've got a proper centre forward, either to play by himself or to play with a, a smaller runner. I think they're going to be a different proposition. So that was a, a big win for them. A bit more flexible with the system. Wheeler and Mometi were the two attacking midfielders. Not seen Dave Wheeler play that role too often, but gets himself a goal. And it, it does feel like me that that could be a turning point and, and see them make a real fist of it now. A turning point, Adrian. And also feels like this has been coming. They, they haven't been winning, but nobody's been thrashing them. You know, they, They've always been competitive in games. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you you can look in the Premier League at Sheffield United losing so many matches by the odd goal, and and say that they've been unlucky. And I I would say something similar about Wickham, who obviously picked up a lot more, a lot more points. And yeah, I felt I did feel that this was coming, um, and and it it does heap pressure on on Neil Harris, doesn't it? At Cardiff, um, they have been a shadow of their former selves in recent weeks. But yeah, let's let's credit Wickham. They've, they've adapted very, very well to to life in the Championship after a horrendous start. And and now teams like QPR and Birmingham that are really out of sorts are beginning to look over their shoulders. Uh, yeah, Neil Harris, by the way, didn't see his team's consolation goal. He'd been sent off at that point. Uh, Wickham 17-2 to to stay up with Paddy Power. Uh, Clarkie, before we move on from the Championship, you wanted to throw some love the way of Barnsley. And I think this is well timed because there was a lot of kind of scoffing when Valerian Ismail was appointed manager. And yet here they are having a, a terrific season based on the standards of, of last season. And, yeah. And, Looking like they, they might be challenging up toward the top half rather than well, fighting off relegation. Well, I was one of the scoffers, yeah, because you looked at his background and you thought, well, where's this one come from? But but he's taken over the reins from Gerhard Struber and, and Barnsley continued to play in the same way. They're a very good team to watch, really sharp, neat and tidy football, terrific out of possession as well in terms of closing down. And, and considering all the disruption that Barnsley have had over the last two or three seasons... The, the actual team is developing and I think that they the players deserve a lot of credit for adapting to to the scenarios that are being put in front of them. Back-to-back wins, Huddersfield and Rotherham this week, 34 points from 22 games. This is a team that, that should have been relegated really last season, but for a miraculous fight back. So, so well done, Barnsley. And, and I have to say, even though it's a team effort there, Alex Mowat and Corley Woodrow, 
are different class for for Barnsley and and in the roles that they play, I I don't I look around the division and I, I'm thinking they're among the best in their positions those two. So so I hope that Barnsley can keep hold of them because in the long term, I see them maybe playing at a higher level those two. Yeah, Mo, it's been excellent, but but Sam in, in Woodrow they've got that that most valuable of commodities in the, in the championship. Somebody who's going to put the ball in the net for you. Yeah, he looks so full of confidence that the last year or two, I would say, and there has been interest in him. I think there's been firm interest in him in the last couple of windows. And I think his time is definitely coming to to, to move on and possibly go to a championship club that's fighting for promotion or maybe even go to a, a Premier League team in the lower reaches. Because I think there's a... There's a depth to his game. He's not just goals. He can drop and play as a 10. There's a bit of Harry Kane about him, maybe seeing a pass, being a provider, as well as a goal scorer. He's got the physical attributes to be a top quality number nine. He can score all types of goals, particularly like the way he strikes ball from distance um, as well. So he can get free kicks and goals from 30 yards, something that I wasn't capable of because I couldn't kick a ball further than 10 yards but no I really like him in fine form and they'll do well to keep hold of him I'd expect someone to come and try and take him in January how far could you head it just out of interest I scored one for St Mirren from about it felt like outside the box and um, (laughs) the lads were laughing on Monday morning because uh, supposedly during the celebration I was like I've just scored a header from outside the box. It's a 25-yarder. Like when I was wheeling away and then you saw it back on the uh, the video and it was only about just outside the six-yard box. <laughs> Sounded better in your head, definitely. Um, let's get some odds, please, Abby, with our friends at Paddy Power. We've been talking Sheffield Wednesday. Who have they got as favourites to take the job following Tony Pulis's sacking? Well, contrary to what Nancy was saying, Gus Poyer is the favourite with Paddy Power. He is five to six. Then it is Jose Morais at ten to three, and uh, Mark Bowen. Remember him? Uh, five to one. Uh, I believe we mentioned Paul Cook. He is nine to one as well. Danny Cowley. He's got to be in there. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, yes, Danny Cowley is in there. He is fourteen to one, and uh, Slab and Billich is free again, twelve to one. Danny Cowley, of course, just drop the C, and then he'd be the perfect fit. Danny Cowley. Oh, and whilst we're talking managers, Wayne Rooney. One to three at Derby. For Derby. For Derby, for okay, Derby. Right, yes. Um, clarify that. <laughs> across the show, we're going to pick our three winners from the leagues come the season's end, whenever that might be. Um, Clarky, have you got top in the tables uh, come the end of the campaign? In the Championship, I've got Norwich City. I'm confident that they can they can stay ahead of the rest. League One, Portsmouth, wide open. That one is, uh, I can see several teams challenging. Could be very, very close. And in League Two... Carlisle United, I think they're the most rounded team. Great going forward, very, very solid at the back. So I've got them uh, to end in first place. Odds on those, please, Abby. Yeah, Norwich 2-1, to one, Portsmouth 23-10 to 10, and Carlisle 4-1. to one. Put that all together and that is 48-1 to one for that treble. Ooh, crikey, worth a pound. Uh, good stuff. Right, let's go to League One. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu.
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis Adams. League One headlines, all the postponements, seven games called off because of COVID on Tuesday. Rochdale club doctor Wes Tensel feels it's not wise to continue with football at the moment, uh, five games this midweek. Accrington have now played five games fewer than the bottom side, Burton. Uh, Speaking of whom, they've dispensed with the services of Jake Buxton. Uh, Abby's written, feel like there should be a water joke there. Can't think of one, so have bottled it. Very good. <laughs> we spoke about the um, the madness that is the, the League One coronavirus situation last time out. Let's talk about a circuit breaker for football today, Adrian. Uh, the cynic in me says that's come from Sam Allardyce, who's just realised he's got a massive job on his hands and wants two weeks on the training ground. Do, do you think it should happen? Is it going to happen? Uh, yeah, I do think it was a deflection tactic from Sam Allardyce to some degree, although I understand his personal concerns because he you know he's an older man and and he certainly wouldn't want to be contracting the virus um circuit break is interesting it, it i think for for the efl it's eminently doable because not too many of the players will be involved in the euros and, and in theory we can can push it on a little bit that end of the season and maybe congest the playoffs and and the playoff finals so so it's doable um i i still think that the testing is a joke and i still think that the pfa should be protecting its members by paying for far more regular testing than they do. I, I think that's at the, at, the, at the crux of the issue. In the Premier League, we're seeing cases, yes, but nowhere near the same level. Um, yeah, for, for me, they've been negligent, the PFA, the whole way, whole way through this. But look, a two or three week circuit breaker, I'm OK with it. Sam... It's a bit of a, a curveball, forgive me, but I was covering the Chelsea v Villa game the other night and I was astonished to see as the players came out on the pitch, you know, programme in hand, tracksuit top, knotted off around their waist to have a look round. Jack Grealish and Tammy Abraham have a massive hug. And I thought, why is this happening? Do you think the players need to take a bit more responsibility or from a player's point of view, are they thinking, we're about to play a contact sport for an hour and a half. Me mm. hugging you is not going to make much difference. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know, Matt. It's difficult to condemn the players. I, sp- I suppose it's it's partly down to how the staff are running the ship, I, I suppose, at the training ground, how much dialogue they're having with the players. That could have an effect if you're just saying in no uncertain terms, don't go near the opposition. Um, they're, they're changing in different areas. I saw Dean Smith and his, his team kind of sidle off towards the corner flag after that particular game. Um, but as you say, I think everyone's confused by it, aren't they? given that they're, they're going out and playing 90 minutes. I'm, I'm not sure how much good a two, three-week break would do. I'm not a specialist in this area, like all of us, but you have to give it a go, don't you? And then you look at it again in two or three weeks' time. If you don't try, you're never going to know if it can have a positive effect. So that would be my take on it. And also make um, the season longer now for Leagues 1 and League 2. Just extend it by two or three weeks and hope that you get give the players enough recovery time between matches. All right, let's move on to some actual football where we can talk about that then. Burton 3, Wigan 4. This game would have topped our chat list uh, on the action alone as the goals flew in. 4-3 Wigan in the end. The buzzer beating an inevitable Burton equaliser, you feel, given how the rest of the game had gone. But it's the off-the-pitch announcement that leads this story. Jake Buxton sacks. Adrian, fair enough. They'd only won two of 21 games. Well, I think you've you've answered it there with that stat. It is it is fair enough. No one 
likes to see managers lose their job. It's not something we celebrate, but it, it, it had to be done, really, for Burton. And I think one of the main reasons it had to be done is that they weren't learning from their mistakes. Set pieces have been a huge issue for them. They've conceded 15 goals from corners and wide free kicks, most in the division, and it's, it's formed a large proportion of the goals conceded. And I haven't seen what's gone on in the training ground. Whatever's gone on hasn't hasn't worked, and 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 clean sheets have just been completely absent from them. You know, it's not something they do. Um, and and again, I haven't been in teams that leak goals. Some, something often changes where the manager says, right, we focus here. We do not give anything up here today. And, and, and from the outside looking in, Burton didn't make enough of an effort to build from the back. And, and it could cost them their place in the division. Yeah, they went for the cheap option, didn't they? After Nigel Clough fell on his sword to save them some cash, they might be regretting that now. Um, Sam, I, I see some of the usual EFL suspects being touted as replacements, Graham Alexander, Sol Campbell, maybe a return for, for Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank. Any of those stand out to you or, or anybody else you think would be a good pick? Stop asking me who should be managers. <laughs> be an owner if I wanted to do that. Um, to be honest, someone with more experience, it's going to have to be a, a firefighter, a lower division firefighter. And the reason I say that is I think the problems had set in before this season at Burton. They'd lost, they'd won one of their last 10 uh, at the back end of last season. And Nigel Clough's had to build new teams season after season because they've lost good quality players. So what that job needed was someone with experience and someone to consolidate. So I think Jake Buxton, I think the budget was around about the same. So I don't think he's been too up against it. I think he signed poor players you look at the defence in particular, Clarkie mentioned, I think, no clean sheet last week on the show at all this season. It was Burton, wasn't it, Clarkie? Mm, yeah, yeah. And um, you look at some of the, the ageing players he's got back there, Brayford and, and Boswick, who on the face of it look like good signings, but I think there's just a lack of youth and, and energy running through that team. So maybe he's not been uh, left with the best group of players, but I think they could have done better work in the transfer market. So now it calls for someone to come in and obviously produce a bit of a rescue job. And that's got to be with someone with experience. They can't take a risk on another rookie manager. Goals are plenty across the other matches in League One. Swindon losing 4-1 at home to MK Dons. Northampton winning 3-1 against Gillingham. 1-0 for Shrewsbury over Blackpool. Uh, that the Shrews' first home win of the season, as I think Sam mentioned. Like Gavin did with Stacey all those years back, we look west where Plymouth took on Oxford. Start of the month, Plymouth five points ahead of Oxford, but heading into the new year, it's the U's who've turned their dismal form around. They're now two points ahead of the Pilgrims, having won their last three. Uh, this game had a fun two minutes, which saw two penalties conceded. Oxford eventually winning 3-2. Um, Sam, we'll start with Plymouth, though. You've seen them recently. What's the, the cause of, of this rot that's set in? Four points this month from 21 possible. Well, they actually played really well at, at Charlton for 45 minutes. Ever so impressed with them, actually, in the first half, especially the front two, um, Hardy and Jeffcott, who's obviously been a revelation in terms of goal scoring. Lovely balance. Uh, Hardy's got great movement. Jeffcott's a predator. And I think they actually kind of nosedived yesterday when Hardy left the field due to, I think, just tiredness, the amount of games. And uh, it was 1-1 at that stage. So I think that had a bit of an impact. And... It's a bit of a difficult moment for Ryan Lowe. I think he encountered it early in his tenure at Berry, but 
he's he perseveres with the system. I think he had another look at a back four against Crew a couple of weeks ago. Um, lost that game, reverted back to his tried and tested three five two, and they're just not good defensively. Really weak. Um, I would say they need a dominant centre half, definitely. And I think we've spoken about the middle of the pitch as well being a bit of a, a light touch. And they got Lewis McLeod playing in there as the only real holding player, and he gets overrun. Danny Mayer and Kamara, the other two. Kamara is a brilliant box to box player. League One level, and he's at the top of his game right now. But Danny Mayer is way off where he's been in past seasons. So, I mean, they're the two main areas, I would say, um, that they need to replenish in January. And it, I think it's a big moment for them because I think the fans are kind of a little bit on the fence with Ryan Lowe at the moment. So it's either they need to bring new players in or he needs to adapt the, the formation. If he sticks with this format and they keep getting beaten, it's a big fan base down there. And I think they, they could they could turn quite quickly. What about Oxford, Adrian? Simple enough to say that they've got over last season now. It's always a talented squad and a, and a decent manager. It didn't seem like they'd be struggling down the bottom for the whole season. No, I think they were in a, a slightly false position early, earlier on in the campaign, um, feeling maybe a bit sorry for themselves. That can, that can happen, of course. They did bring in a number of new players and, and I think injuries to key men certainly uh, hamstrung them in, in certain spells earlier on in the season. Big decision. We, we hammered. Uh, actually, we didn't hammer him too much, Carl Robinson, but we sort of joked a little bit about the way that he had a, had such a, an outspoken pop at his keeper. Um, if you remember, I think the Swindon game that they lost in quite dramatic fashion, he really dug out Eastwood and it was a bold move, but he did back it up. He dropped him and he's brought in Stevens in goal and and, and from that moment, they've been a different team. They had two clean sheets in the next three games. They sort of really set up to be solid. And what that did, it gave them confidence to now go on a three-game winning streak where they are scoring goals. Four goals against Northampton, two against Wimbledon, three against Plymouth. That's what clean sheets can do you, just picking up points. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're heading in the right direction. I think there'll be other bumps in the road, but... Um, Oxford will end up in the top half and, and they could they could knock on the door of the playoffs. Uh, Sam, you're going to give us some of your picks for the league winners now as we continue this with Paddy Power. Uh, are Oxford featuring in your League One? Who you got winning the Championship League One and League Two, please? <laughs> That's the best joke of the season. Um, at the championship, I think it's a... F- it's a four-horse race for me and I wouldn't be surprised if any of Watford, Norwich... Bournemouth or Brentford won the championship but I'm just going to go for Bournemouth because having seen them in the flesh I just think they've got more ways to win matches than the other if that makes sense they can win the tight games late on and they can blow teams away so I'll have a punt on Bournemouth I am in total agreement with Adrian on Portsmouth I think they are pound for pound the best outfit at that level now Um, it's taken a while but yeah I'll go for, for them and then another bit of a stab uh, Salford really fancied in the summer not being great to this point but Richie Wellens has got them going recently brilliant home record see them going strength to strength in a division where I can't see too many challenging sides I was quite hot on Cheltenham but the recent results have uh, swayed me towards the the northwest. 
Abby, give us some odds on those selections, please. Yeah, so Bournemouth come in at five to two. Uh, Portsmouth, as previously mentioned, are twenty-three to ten, and then Salford are eleven to two. So this gives us a slightly higher, and by slightly, I mean a lot higher, uh, treble of seventy-four to one. Oof, decent. Crikey. I think Salford's a good shout, Sam. I do because they got the best defence, and their 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 attacking players are coming into a bit of form now. We shall see. We'll move on to League Two after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. League Two headlines, managerial movements. Ian Holloway out at Grimsby, Michael Jolly in at Barrow. Abby insists that I say Holly Jolly Christmas. Uh, elsewhere, Harrogate supporters shovel snow off the pitch to get the game on against Carlisle. They watch their side score in the opening minute and see the game abandoned after 10. Uh, quite quaint and comforting to have games called off because of adverse weather, though. No such luck for Morecambe. Their next two fixtures cancelled because of coronavirus. Uh, since we last spoke, Ian Holloway has left Grimsby. Not an amicable parting by any means, this one. Holloway announced it on Twitter on the 23rd of December, jabbing an accusatory finger in the direction of the board and those looking to potentially take the club over. It appears the majority of Grimsby supporters aren't buying that and think Holloway has left them in the lurch. The Grimsby Telegraph did a big expose on, thing, on how things unravelled, including detailing some of Holloway's strops with the local media. Adrian, what do we make of this? He came in with a big fanfare, oh, I'm selling my house, I love fish and chips, me, and then he's walked out a year later. Yeah, I, I haven't read that expose. It sounds sounds like it's a, an interesting read from the local newspaper, so I'll get on to that. But, but yeah, I just feel a bit sad about it because this was a chance for him to come back in. I think, I think if you look at his career and what he's achieved before, he... He could have aimed higher than Grimsby, really, in terms of making a return to management. So it was a gamble on his part to go there. And and, and I loved his enthusiasm. He really mucked in and made himself extremely popular in the local community. And but but unfortunately results haven't haven't backed that up and, and he's got increasingly agitated, hasn't he? He's dug out a lot of he's dug out his bosses, which is never smart. He's had a pop at a lot of the new signings. And um, basically calling them out as not being good enough and, and criticising himself to some degree for not doing due diligence on certain acquisitions. So, yeah, it felt like it was spiralling out of control. So I'm not surprised he's gone, um, not least because he's an emotional person. And, and when things get emotional and you, and you keep losing, um, yeah, walking away is often what happens next. Matt, ask me who's going to be the new manager. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm not going to ask you who's going to be the new manager. Who's going to be the new manager, Sam? Paul Hurst, mate. Paul Hurst. Going back to where he had great success. That's the rumour anyway. Um, yeah, he's the favourite. around this he? morning. So if they could get him, I think that would be a great coup because he's obviously had opportunity at Ipswich, not gone well, and it's been tough for him to get back in. So that one may be, may be a goer because... 
you find it hard to see where Paul Hurst is going to get another good opportunity, despite doing brilliantly at Shrewsbury. But um, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit too crazy to try and unpick, isn't it? What's going on at Grimsby at the moment? Um, but on, but on the pitch, it's been pretty desperate. I mean, they haven't got any goals in the, in the side, and um, I think the centre half Pollock's the top scorer with three, and only Oldham conceded more. So yeah, Ian Holloway, when you look at that. And you look at the defeats that were stacking up. He, he's not stupid. He knows how footballs work. But I think there's there's bigger things going on than than met the eye here. And he's probably he's probably better off out of it to be honest. Well, they started life without him with a, a goalless draw at home to Oldham. Also on Tuesday, Crawley won two one at Forest Green Rovers. FGR missing their chance to go top after this defeat. Uh, it's the team in ninth though, Yamo's boys, Sam. That you wanna you wanna big up. Yeah, and, and Tom Nichols in particular, because it was uh, in the absence of Max Watters, who is being linked with some really big clubs and, and top moves. So him not featuring last night probably suggests that he's going to be off. But Nichols and Matthews played really well together. Nice combination again, similar to that of, of Hardy and Jeffcott. Uh, and Tom Nichols, perennially the last few years, has been like an assist king. And I wanted to just enlighten you about my time with him at, at Exeter, really, when we had Matt Grimes, Ollie Watkins, Alan Gow, really talented player as well. Tom was the best finisher by a mile in training, day after day. Got his opportunity to play as a one, really. We didn't play two up front for long spells of that season and was brilliant at running the channels, but also getting into goal-scoring positions and scoring goals. And the goals last night, was him back to his best. And for whatever reason, the last three years, he's gone away from that. I think he's become too unselfish. He's done too much work outside the box. And I had a little look. He's got four goals in the last three seasons and he's already up to seven for this campaign. So it just shows you the, I don't know, the effect that John Yems is having on him, the confidence just coming back into his game. Great to see because they they were great touch and finishes last night which I would really associate with his game which I just haven't seen the last few years so big win for them at Forest Green came under loads of pressure had to defend in the second half but we've stood it and dark horses I would say given that League 2 hasn't got too many standout teams in my opinion On on that game they had 20 shots at Forest Green 7 of them on target they're, they're really enterprising team aren't they sort of adventurous Crawley um, we laugh about Yemo, but he's he's got them, he's got them to sort of play with a bit of freedom that that a lot of League Two teams, you know, don't don't use. Yeah, the Amster's given us some great moments this year. This is uh, his latest offering. Might be with me and Lee shouting our heads up again on the touchline, but you've got to do that sometimes. Um, they're still learning the game, and of course, some people think I'm a mouthy git, so they don't mind me. I might as well make them know that I am. He's talking about you, Clarky. Um, last piece of Crawley news. Mark Wright has signed for them. Apparently, he played for them back in the day. He's a reality TV star, it appears. I saw this, Sam, and I thought, oh, that's strange. Why is he Why is he signed for them? And then I saw the first episode of Mark Wright, The Last Chance, is set to air on BBC One in the coming weeks. And that's the answer, isn't it? Do you know what? If it was 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have batted an eyelid because I think he was a really good non-league player. Played at Crawley, I, I understand. And he's not half a decent player when he plays in the old charity gig. So, um, yeah, but I mean, he's I think he's 33, 34 now. So I 100% would have gone for Ralph Little. 
<laughs> Look, I've played with both. I've played with both in charity games and um, oh, they both think they're great. Let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, Ralph's a great lad, honestly. I really, really like him. But he, he, he will persuade anyone that he could have been a pro if he hadn't have gone into the old acting route. I'm, I'm not so convinced. For me, Mark Wright's just got a little bit more. A little bit more in his locker, so um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Wrighty. But yeah, I mean, at this at this stage of his career, it's not not signing for the long term, is it? Ralph Little plays five a side with um, with my mates in Barnes, right. yeah, and my brother and, and and some other close mates. And he went up in my estimation because we've got a really lazy pal who's an unbelievable finisher, both footer, but um, he's carrying a few pounds and likes a Stella and a fag. And when he gets the text, Ralph Little. He refuses to play if my mate's playing because <laughs> he just doesn't because <laughs> he just doesn't track. So that's his first question on the WhatsApp: Is so and so playing? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not playing with him. <laughs> I love that. One last thing on Ralph: No one loves football more than Ralph Little because he not only played for the Arsenal celebrity eleven, he also turned out for the Spurs celebrity eleven, <laughs> and he clearly just plays with Sam's mates as well. I mean, what, what else does he do? Do you ever work? <laughs> Celebrity 11s, my ass, etc. and so on. Uh, let's go on to Stevenage 1, Cambridge 0. Clarkie, your, your chosen team in League 2 is, is Stevenage. A much-needed win for them. First in five games. Cambridge's fourth loss in six. Have Stevenage got what it takes to stay up, do you think? Oh Well, I hope so. Look, two, two of my former teams in the bottom two spots, Stevenage and Southend. It's, it's been a nightmare season when you throw in what Arsenal are doing as well. I'm thoroughly miserable. Um, but this was a big win against, against Cambridge. Um, it, I think it will all boil down to the goals and, and how many they can score. Um, you've got Carter, who scored the goal the other night. Ote and Newton have, have been the guys that have sort of carried the goal-scoring burden so far. But no one's really getting enough, uh, enough chances. I think the key... Could be a guy, a young lad that they've signed from Barnsley Unknown, Jack Aitchison. We talked a bit about him last year because he went from Celtic, who he previously was with, to, to Forest Green. And I think he scored nine goals for Forest Green. It was excellent last season. And they haven't quite found a way to get the best out of Aitchison yet. But the last couple of games, he's, he's looked sharper and he's contributed. I think a goal at, at Cheltenham, which was a great draw. And they've backed it up with a, a win at home to Cambridge, which isn't easy to do. So, so yeah, I, I, I desperately hope they can they can have a better second half of the season um, because they're lucky. Don't get me wrong, they're lucky that they're still in League Two after what happened last year. But uh, yeah, I'd hate to see them drop out because it's a it's a really good club. Uh, last round of odds then, my three choices to win the three divisions. There's a bit of similarity here, listener, I apologise. I've also gone for Norwich uh, and for Portsmouth. But from League Two, I am going for Forest Green Rovers, in large part because they have Forest in their name. Um, Abby, what will you give me odds-wise on those? Well, just to reiterate, Norwich are 2-1, to one, Portsmouth are 23-10, to 10, have I mentioned that? Um, and Forest Green are 4-1, to one, which is exactly what Carlisle are, which means that, like Clarkies, your treble comes in at 48-1. to one. Okay, um, Sam's is the one to back them by the sounds of it. And remember, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or via the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop.
Right, before we go, a welcome return, in my mind at least, for the untitled feature where I ask Sam and Adrian a question each on their illustrious careers. Uh, Adrian, <laughs> quite you quote go marks. first. <laughs> the, the, this, yeah, quite. I'm speaking um, about myself, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, you can make it more You're illustrious right, by getting this right. These, these two are really difficult, and I think you're both going to be quite cross with me in about four minutes' time, but let's see. Uh, here's your question, Adrian. Back on New Year's Day 2001, you played in a 3-3 thriller between Stevenage and Hayes, and your borough side squandering a 3-0 lead. Sorry to make you recall that painful moment, but it begs the obvious question. Which of your teammates has a surname that is a slang term for money? Money. <laughs> a slang term for money. Oh, right. Um, bread, Wonga. Uh, I'd love to see the gear. I can't the, think the gear of is wearing like this. It's fascinating. Cash. cash. Was there a cash? Um, oh, dear. Oh, this is so annoying. Um, I, yeah, you've probably got to have the shot clock on this, haven't you? Slam yeah. time for money. Mine's gone blank. No, got nothing. Go on. Sam, oh, can you, I steal? Yeah, do you want to have a punt? Um, Freddie Dosh. Bad. No, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> It was Nathan Willy Wonga. Bunce. Willy Wonga. Oh, Nathan Bunce. Can't believe <laughs> oh, it. Nate Bunce, he was, he was, he was uh, a great lad. Great lad. Bunce, he was a, yeah. Bunce, he was a great lad. And I got on great with him. I can't believe I forgot that. Um, he was a tree surgeon. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, very, very, uh, yeah, solid centre half. Glad he was on my team. No relation to Steve, presumably. No. He's always barking out orders. <laughs> Should have signed for Forest Green Ravens, etc. and so on. Um, <laughs> Sam, let's see if, if you can get yours. It's probably not quite as fun, but uh, it's just as difficult. Let me take you back to New Year's Day 2003. You've scored in a one-all draw for Swindon away to Cardiff. Pleased with that, no doubt, if rueful that Robert Earnshaw grabbed the last-minute equaliser for the Bluebirds. My question for you is, which Chinese international was in the Cardiff side that day? <laughs> I can't think of any Chinese international <laughs> who played for Cardiff. Um, my mum was at that game, and it was at the old Ninian Park, and she drove over the 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 bridge in driving rain. And I remember just looking over at the Swindon end, and there was about you like caged animal there mm. at the old Ninian Park. My little dear old mum, about a hundred Swindon fans in the driving rain. Um, yeah, so I can't recall. I can't recall. Go on. Uh, Clarky, can you steal? I can give you both the clue if you like. This player also played for Crystal Palace and Dundee. Oh, Crystal Palace. Oh, centre midfielder. Go, oh. midfielder? Uh, yes, midfielder, yeah, yeah. Oh. No, I got nothing. No, I'm not gonna get it. I'm just seeing the, the I'm just seeing the uh, what was the Finnish guy called? Rigolati or whatever his name was. Yeah, can't get Rigolati, it. it's not him. It was Fanji High. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that if I was here till 2024. <laughs> Christmas uh, what 2024. What rhymes with Fanji High? Goodbye. And that's what it's time for us to say now. Many thanks to Sam, to Adrian and to producer Abby. We'll be back next week. Until then, it's goodbye. I mean, it's Fanji High. <laughs> You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places, or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. 
Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh, and despite literally spending months of my life playing football manager, I'm still terrible at it. That's why I'm launching The Football Manager Show, the latest podcast from The Athletic. Every week, I'll speak to the people who know the game best, the people who make the game. We'll take a proper look at things like training, recruitment and tactics. We'll try to answer your questions. We'll do everything we can to keep you eager to play just one more game and altogether less inclined to quit without saving. The era of Cherno and Tonton and dear sweet Michael Duff is over. The new football manager is bigger, better, more challenging than ever. And I need some help. If you do too, you can subscribe now. Just look for the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, wherever you get all your other podcasts. It starts in November, and knowing my track record, I'll be unemployed by December. Muddy Knees Media.